This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. Um, I'm Ben Platt and this is episode 22. Um, we are on a few takes because I'm struggling to know how to start a positive podcast, but we're going to give it a go um, after the weekend's result. Um, just quickly introducing who we've got on the pod today. We've got Jack Supples back. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you. Much better after Burnley result. Didn't see that coming, but... Uh... I'll certainly take it at this stage of the season. But yeah, good to be on. Good, good. We've got Chris. Chris Hermitage, how are you, mate? Uh, this is the best mood I've been in on all the appearances I've been on the pod. So I can't I wait know. to discuss Everyone's smiling. a win and Everyone's some positivity. The world, is, the world is a sunnier place since Saturday at five o'clock. <laughs> to be fair, though, right? how good is a Saturday afternoon? Like after five o'clock when you win, like it's just it, every everything is different, isn't it? Like the sky's different colour, or am I going over the top? Like everything's just no, you are not going over the top. We can't exaggerate that enough, I don't think, today. No. Everything is better. Yeah, and Doug, you're looking smiley and happy, nice happy postman there. Uh, it's not just the fact we've actually won a game, we're unbeaten in the last three games. Literally two draws and a win. We're flying. <laughs> Um, it's, I don't know what to do. Like, it's a weird situation. We've not picked up points in three games in a row for, what, all season? Well, just quickly, before we get on to Burnley, we, we haven't done a podcast on Norwich yet, so I thought we'd just quickly mention Norwich. Um, I mean, good point, really, but still, I thought we probably deserve, we probably should have, in another season, we probably might have gone on to win that one. I just thought maybe the pressure's in the second half, I don't know. Um, we we knew just the early goal killed us, didn't it? But um, Dunk, what do, what do you think? A bit more solid again? <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, like first half, we were like probably the best we've been for a while. Um, and yeah, we think we were more solid and we just kind of seemed to, I think it helped that Norwich had come off the back of a drubbing from Borough. I don't think they were on the front foot. They didn't really go for us which I think gave us the opportunity to kind of grow into the game. Whereas if they'd come straight out of the blocks at us, I think we could have struggled. So we had a bit of time to get ourselves into a bit of a rhythm. And for the first half, we were especially like the better team and like we should have been, in my opinion, like more than one up. But And that's what I mean about it being another season. I think we probably would have been two or three to up at half-time because I think Norwich didn't look great in the first half. They looked like a team derived of a lot of confidence like we have and, and, and off the back of a bit of a drumming. But I just thought once they scored, the nerves started to set in, didn't this? You know, every, well, we all probably did, um, predicting what was going to happen. Um, but still, though, it was still a better team performance, Jack. Yeah, I don't think you can fault the effort and the application of some of the, well, I say most of the players. I mean, which is not, you can't say that for a lot of the games this season. It's been evident. There's been a lot of people phoning it in. We could do a lot better, but I thought Lyndon Dykes had a really good game. Um, good to see Chair get an assist as well. Um, 
yeah, I thought Dykes was the one that really stood out. I thought he was, you know, credit, really played well, worked hard. I think the play got his goal. I thought um, Sam Field, consistent again. Now I think he's been, you know, our most steady and reliable player. He's one, He's only one of two outfield players in the championship to start 44 league games this season. So, you know, he's really overcome. Compared to when we signed him, he was quite injury prone, had a bit of an injury record, and he's really turned that around and become pillar on you know a captain at times for our team so yeah I felt disappointed at the end of the Norwich game I felt it was an opportunity missed we were, it took us to two wins from 28 in all comps and you really think that was you know it was a chance we've blown there to get some points because Norwich not great side at the moment but you know it's a point and every point's valuable at this stage absolutely absolutely what Jack with Lyndon Dykes I've got I was thinking about this um, a couple of days ago how do we get the best out of him because I, my view is that I'm not too sure he can be your out and out striker. He can't be a number one striker. I, I, I don't think. I'm not, you know, it's up for debate. I think, you know, there's certainly a place for him in the squad and certainly a place for him, even in the team, to a certain degree. But some games go by and he looks like, I don't know, he looks like, I wouldn't say donkey, but he looks like, you know, he can't control anything. The ball bounces off him. Like his passing is not great, and then some games out of nowhere, you just turn around and go, "Oh, actually, we've actually got quite a half decent striker here." Yeah, I got it's Scotland Dykes and QPR Dykes, isn't it? It's that yeah split. Sometimes we get Scotland Dykes, and it's you know you think, okay, I, I see why a lot of managers pick him and why he's rated at the, you know nationally as well. But I think he works better when he's got a partner up front. He's got someone close by. I think he's at his worst when he's isolated. And, you know, he's on his own. He hasn't got anyone to link up with. His flick-ons are going to no one. He seems to be winning a lot more in the air. I don't know if it's just my eyes, but under Ainsworth, he seems to win a lot more. I don't Absolutely. know if it's the, yeah. the volume of balls going his way and he's winning <laughs> yeah. his share. But I do think that he's he's looked really, you know, quite strong under Ainsworth at times. But, yeah, I think Austin, he played well in the two with, you know, Dykes and Austin. Did really good goal return at that point. He's started with Chris Martin, you know, a few times. There's a goal here or there. Yeah, I, I think I think my my summation of that, I mean, my summary, sorry, is that I think he plays in a two, or we need someone to play just off him in a really close ten, in a number ten role. So yeah, I th- to get the best out of him, he's better when he doesn't have time to think. I think when it comes to finishing, I think he's better when it's just just got to do it without thinking. You know, the the header at West Brom, you know, he was just in the right position at the right time. It was a good header, and he's got that in his locker. And um, I think deliveries into the box. You know, you just got to keep putting it in there because sometimes he is, you know, you notice when he's out of form, he doesn't always make the run to the near post or he's not quite there sometimes when the ball comes in. Is that because he, you know, it's not get coming in regularly enough, so he's not expecting it? Now he seems to be a little bit more better positioned for the crosses. So, you know, I think we're slowly seeing, you know, a bit more out of Dykes. So, yeah, um, that's what I think, really. I think that's when you've got Martin in there as well. He occupies some of the positions as well. So it doesn't look like the ball's gone nowhere and he's not there kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Because Martin's there winning or losing the header or whatever. But um, but yeah, and just a quick observation, Chris, anything else on Norwich? But I I, I also thought Tim had a really good game. I thought it was good to have him back. I thought we missed him. I've been saying it for weeks when he was away. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the Burnley Mad start in a minute, but aside from that, at Norwich, yeah, I thought he was excellent at driving forward, and I think him and Field is is as good as we've we've had in that cent- in that centre position this season. Yeah, I'd agree. I think he was he was playing uh, felt quite advanced, which seemed seemed counterintuitive when you got two up front, chair low wide, and then Tim playing high could have easily isolated Field and should could, would, should have been overrun in that area. I don't actually think Norwich were smart enough to get around that area. And um, Dunk, you made the point earlier. Norwich didn't move the ball quick enough to exploit the spaces we were giving them. Yeah. It'd go out to Aaron's and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to check back and go back to the centre-back. And it was like, that's exactly what we want you to do because now we can just get back into, into position. But yeah, Tim was winning the ball high. Obviously, the chance he created for himself when he robbed Hayden of the ball on the edge of the box, like left foot shot, good save. It's one of those that as soon as he'd saved it on non-reflection, I was like, oh, could you have gone, could you have gone down? Because he had a little bit, Hayden pulled him a little bit 
and you think, oh, we could have had a free kick or a penalty. Hayden sent off. Suddenly a big opportunity there, but that was very much hindsight. But yeah, I agree. I think he's been, he was excellent in that game. I think it's a really positive sign that even on the horrific run we've been on, he's a young player. He's a young loan player. His attitude could have gone and he could have not cared at all. I think he's been the complete opposite. And I think a lot of people would have identified him as sort of suspect number one to go hiding or not care. But he is showing that he does. He does care and he is still playing well. And that's really that's a, uh, a massive positive for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just before we talk about it, um, just... Just what was the what was the stat, Jack, about Burnley for <laughs> was it a single pass? Yeah, it was put. I saw it on Twitter. I think by, by one of the, I think it's Birmingham Analytics or something like that. But he he said that Tim Rubin had played sixty seven minutes at Burnley and failed to complete a single pass. He only attempted one, and that went to a Burnley player. So uh, <laughs> actually sent actually sent a mid plane over an hour uh... game and not completing a pass is unbelievable, isn't it? Anyway, before we get there, let's just all take a breath. We won a football match. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, and in typical QPR fashion, in typical QPR form, in everything that ever, anything, just QPR, it, 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 if you're trying to explain to someone the club of what we are, that is it, isn't it? What Go top of the top of the league, they, they can win the title. We get battered for, what, 50 minutes, 60 minutes, and then... Yeah, we go and win the football match. Incredible. Our centre midfielder turns in a half volley in the top corner. Our centre half, who's had an absolute mare all season, turns into Beckenbauer or whatever, you know, John Terry. Um, and Ethan Laird comes on as a great game. I mean, I, I could probably go on. I mean, we've got a centre midfielder who's not making any passes. But yeah, Chris Martin comes on and grabs a winner. So, what are we thinking, boys? Well, I just want to jump in and say I'm absolutely shocked that of all the centre backs you could have made, like dropped, then you had to drop John Terry. Like, well, no, I was just trying to. Yeah, that was terrible. Oh, oh. Try, try and edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Can we edit that out. Yeah. Um. Just want to say a quick one as well on the stats. Sam Field completed one out of one passes in the first half as well. Like it just shows you yeah. how little we had the ball and how much like defending we purely did. And like we were saying like at half time, like this game is going to go either way. Like we're either going to concede and the floodgates will open and we'll let in three or four, or somehow we're going to snatch a unlikely like one nil kind of win. Like it was a typical kind of performance. You kind of knew it was going to happen. I just couldn't believe it did. So, I mean, we won, you know, it's our first away win at Burnley since December 2007 under Luigi Di Canio. We won two 0 that day, and uh, Gareth Ainsworth played the full ninety minutes. That you know in that game, and that, I don't know if you remember, but that goal, Rowan Vine walked the ball into the net from a from you know a Burnley corner, and the Burnley keeper, I think Karali was his name or something like that. He had those grey trackies on, and he's desperately <laughs> trying to chase Rowan Vine down, and you know got no chance. So that that you know that Ainsworth's been involved in two of our three away wins at Burnley in our history. So something there, and I think we've. As Dunk was alluding to earlier, we've avoided defeat in three of the last four games, having lost nine of the ten beforehand. So signs there's there is a turnaround happening and the players Ainsworth selecting are responding to him. Yeah, you could say we're a bit fortunate at times, or very fortunate at times in the first half against Burnley. It was nice of them to let us have two goalkeepers in Rob Dickey and Senny Dien. That's very kind. I pinched that comment from Clive's Lawful Words uh, post-match article. It's brilliant. And, uh, you know, Dickie had his best game of the season by a country mile, you know, just defending. Don't worry about the ball because no, no one else was in our team. Just defend your goal and just simplified it for him. And I thought he was excellent. I, you know, I would say that it's interesting now, Critchley and Ainsworth, both have eight points from 11 league games. So, you know, in terms of a points return, it's identical. Except Ainsworth won twice and Critchley had one win and a few more draws. So, you know, and we scored twice in a game, which is not happening very often. And the fact that we, the last three occasions of us doing that have all been away games. So there's definitely something in us being an away team this year. Well, when we want to be a team, we've won more points away from home than we have at Loftus Road this year. 
you know, and that's only ever happened in a completed season once in 1928. So, you know, it's quite, it'd be an unusual, you know, end into the season if we survive and we come away with more away points. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? I mean, what what I reflected on when I was watching it was how I just thought the players just dug in. I just thought that, you know, I know that we were lucky and I know that, that you know, off the line, barn post, another game we would have been 4-0 down off after, what, 15 minutes. But yeah. I just thought once we rode that out, and I wouldn't say comfortable, but I think I think the, the way the game was going, you could always tell that we were, something was going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like we were going to get something. And um, even when we went 1-1, the, the worldie that they score, I, I, in, when I was watching it, I was still thinking this, there's something here, like, there's something here because they 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 went for it a little bit, didn't they? And left the space, and obviously Sinclair came on and and, and stretched the game, um, which I think we've got to give credit for to Gareth Ainsworth for. I think um, he made some, he made the correct subs at the right time, um, and I think that although we they had us down the wings, I think that was the game plan is to push them out wide. It felt like we were very tucked in. Let them have it out wide, get the cross in, and, and Dick, Dickie and Dan and Field will, will win the headers. Um, but fair play to him. I think he did. He, he um, he's had a lot of stick, hasn't he, Gareth Ainsworth? Rightly so. Um, but on Saturday, I think he, he he got it right. His tactics and his subs. So fair play to him. Yeah, it worked out absolutely perfectly. But for so long, well, since we uh, since Bright left. We'll see so many fans screaming. You just you need at least one player with pace. Whether not necessarily needs to start the game, but it has to be an option for any team, I feel, at any level, because that's what worries every single team yeah. in the league. Even if you are uh, going to go quite extreme here, even if you are Man City, they don't want to be playing against someone quick who can just get in behind because they, they defend so so high, similar to what Burnley are going to do. Yeah, you've got to exploit that. Um, the more I see the goal, the, the winning goal we scored, um, I thought it was actually... I don't want to take credit away from us. I thought it was quite bad defending from their right back. I thought Lowe's touch was awful and he didn't go to the ball and then he let Lowe get composed. It was only when I saw the alternative angle uh, stuff the official club Twitter put out that actually the defender didn't really have a chance to get to the ball, but it gave Lowe the chance to steady himself, puts a decent ball in. And that was, you can argue, yeah, we had a bit of luck, but incredible defending by Dickey. The, watching the stats just rise in the first half and the XG Burnley were generating was like painful to watch. But you get to half time, you get in, you reassess. And all we said before the Blackpool and Wigan games, we said on this pod, we can't lose both those games. We did it because maybe we had the wrong attitude and we conceded early. But surely all he was saying in, to that Burnley game was, don't concede early. Yeah, we're not going to have any of the ball, but we're just going to make it difficult for them. And we've seen that kind of game plan work against good teams who have the ball at every level. It's not going to work for 46 games in a season but it's going to work the few games you need it to. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a time waste from the first minute before. That was no. And, the refs, and, and I saw the, the, I was listening to the Burnley commentary. Yeah. You know, have you seen it? And, and, <laughs> and they've got every right to say that, by the way. I don't care yeah. one single bit, but there was no way it was eight minutes. I mean, Finger Doma was down for five minutes at one point. Uh, it, it definitely should have been double digits. But, you know, yeah, I mean, the refs just let that happen, don't they? They make it worse. You know, even in the first half, he gave three minutes. It was definitely well more than three minutes. Um, Yeah, we've had plenty of those opportunities go against us at home this this season and other seasons when you're like, teams do, yeah, teams take the piss, time waste, keepers get booked in like the last kick of the game, complete waste of time. I mean, it's probably a miracle Senny didn't get booked in this game, but... um, yeah, if you've got to take sort of advantage of ref's leniency. Um, yeah. Made a good point I mean, about the pace, by the way. Sorry to interject there. Um, I um, thought that, you know, the, the Armstrong sub was, you know, spot on and actually a bit earlier than I thought he would do it. But I thought it was, it was the great timing and he scared the life out of their centre-backs. Absolutely, and yeah. Every time he got the ball on a run down the channel, 
he was just electric. And he actually made some decent decisions when he got the ball, um, you know, laying it off to chair, he got a shot away. I thought chair was better. But that was a better performance from chair. Um, he had a, he's had a mare a few times recently, but he was, you know, he was pretty good. Um, yeah, I was actually on, on your question, on your um, analogy about the pace. Who thinks quicker out of Armstrong and Bright? If you put him in a race, I, I wonder. Surely Armstrong, right? I was going to go Bright. Yeah, I, I, I said I, Bright. Yeah, my head said Bright. I would say Armstrong's a better runner, as in, as in, like power. Like he'd probably shake off a few players and brush them off. But I say out and out pace. I'd have probably gone Bright. Interesting, isn't it? I wonder. Yeah. I'd see him a race. That's, uh, if it no, was a hundred meter sprint, then Bright yeah. would win. If yeah. it was a sixty millimeter race for the ball, Armstrong would win. <laughs> With obstacles in the way, he just <laughs> run straight through. <laughs> it was interesting that Martin goal that you mentioned, Chris, because what I think the reason why he's got that space is because he, he's having a go at Sinclair. I don't know if you saw and telling him where to go. He's saying to him, he's talking to him for ages and ages, going, "Go and do this, do that." And they're chatting. The goal, the corner's taken, and they're still talking. And then he just comes, sneaks in at the front, the front post. So I think, I don't know. It's obviously not a tactics, but it looked like it worked. Um, Doug, any any other observations, mate, on, on on the win on Saturday? No, I just wanted to obviously emphasise the fact we have been a bit critical, uh, maybe not so much on the pod, but in like our group chat about Ainsworth's subs and the times of his subs and how late he leaves them. And like we said, like he got him completely spot on against Burnley, like the right time, right people coming on, right changes. So like, it was good to see him be quite proactive with the substitutions. So like top notch for that. Yeah. Cause Amos came on and did all right as well. Didn't, you know, he added a bit of you know, chasing the ball down and a bit of energy in there as well. So I thought that was good. Um, I think Amos was good against Norwich as well. Yeah, he um, was. Again, looked, I think others have sort of made this sort of tongue in cheek comment, but like late in the season, Amos, is a different player to the rest of the season, Amos. Um, I don't know whether it's uh, he gets a bit more confidence at that point. He feels a little bit more fitter than usual. It's just pure coincidence each year. But um, I mean, I was, obviously we're desperate for any player to score, but I was desperate when he broke through against Norwich, somehow gets the ball past three players, still gets a shot off of his left foot. If that had gone in, obviously amazing to get a win, but huge for him as an individual as well. And yeah, that would have been that would have been massive. So, um, yeah, and this is where it becomes difficult for managers and the board and people in uh, around player recruitment, right? Because you have recency bias of looking at Amos, going, "Look, he can do those kind of things," or a player like him. Do we keep him for next season? Do you renew his contract, or do you look at the what the bigger picture and go, "He's injured a lot." often not quite sure what he's doing on the ball or games he struggles. So maybe we should move on. And that's where it is pretty difficult. Yeah. I, I've got a question for you. And I don't know whether um, I'm still being a bit, I know it was a great win on Saturday. It's great, but I still don't want to forget that this team have been terrible this season, haven't they? You know, there's a few you can pick out. Sam Field, maybe a couple of others, Irubuna, maybe Kenneth Powell. Um, but on the whole, the squad hasn't been good enough. It hasn't. So when we get to this summer, a question for you all, is every player up for sale? And what I mean that, I don't mean, obviously they've all got a price, right? We know that. But I mean, a reasonable offer for any of these players, do we take it? If we get a reasonable offer in for Chair, we get a reasonable offer in for Dykes, Dieng, massively. Um, Dickie, what, what, what are we doing here? Because we need to rebuild this team. There's no money floating around. We can't just keep getting... Well, we can. We will get the freeze and loans in, but this team isn't going to grow unless we start also bringing in some assets, you know, and, 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 and signing some young... You know, you look at these teams around that have signed players for a million or less. But, they, you know, do you know what I mean? They're going to they're gonna turn into bigger assets. These freeze are not turning into any, are they? They're injury-prone players, Right or they're running down the contract, or they're hot and cold all season. What do you think? Am I being too harsh? Um, it's difficult, because I think that with the players we have in were like 
built for like a Warburton, a Beal, a Critchley style team. And I don't think even with a full summer of pre-season, Ainsworth's going to be getting them to be playing it out from the back, playing 50 passes before a goal. So I think anyone's up for sale because someone like Cher especially, I don't see how he really fits into an Ainsworth style team. And I think if we get any kind of offer for Cher, the club will take it so they can get in players that will suit Ainsworth's style of play. And I think that's the reality with people like Willock or anybody who doesn't necessarily fit the bill for Ainsworth at the minute. Players yeah, are running down contracts, aren't they? And I just don't think, you know, we had that big offer from Millwall, didn't we, for Dykes? I mean, it's not going to be any, I'd, I'd be surprised if it's as close to that this summer. This summer. I just think we we need to make a, sorry Jack to interrupt, but I'm just saying, I just think that we need to make a, some big decisions on some big players this summer that are out of contract next season. That if a reasonable offer comes in, that we move them on. They'll probably be quality when they move on, by the way. Yeah, I, I do think the injury record's big concern. It really you know, caught us this season and back in the last season. And I think there's a doubt about, you know, are they fit enough to be able to play the Ainsworth style, you know? Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. High press, you know, in people's faces, up and down. You know, I, maybe they're not right for, you know, this team going forward. I think, ironically, one of the only players I think we'll probably get a bit of money for is Dykes. And I think he's best suited to being in an Ainsworth team. You know, so, yeah, I, I think everyone's got their price. We know all that. But I do, I do think it's a big, bigger rebuild than usual coming this summer. I mean, there's a, you know, especially those players are out of contract. You think they might be worth a bit of money if you gave them a new deal and they found some form again, but I don't know if it's worth the risk. You know, we've been let down a bit this year. Also, with the style play, like style of play, yeah, the players that people like Warburton and Beal were getting in on the freeze are like dainty, good on the ball kind of footballers that aren't necessarily as robust as with the eight, like the freeze that Ainsworth might be looking at. So do you think that will play a part in it? Because He'll be going for these tough, like, like war hardy players that will put shifts in that won't necessarily be as fragile as some as the get the ball down and play it around players we've had in. Yeah, I definitely think your Dazelles and your Amoses, like those type of. Um, I see him staying. I can't, can't see him fitting in. I mean, Amos from a work rate point of view and, you know, energy and buzzing around, I can kind of see it if he can stay fit, but whether they want to take a risk on him anymore, I don't know. But yeah, I think. It, if we stay up, I mean, that's still an if. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And we have to remember, you know, stranger things have happened with QPR. We've seen a lot of strange stuff. But if we do stay up and, you know, I, I see it being quite a big rebuild. And they, if they're going to back Ainsworth, they need to let him, you know, and whoever is bringing the players in, they need to be on the same page because, as Dunk said, this whole squad's being recruited for Warburton and Bill. It's not the right personnel for what an Ainsworth team might be funds need to be generated though don't they like they have to be they have to be we have to cash in on some of these players we can't keep and it might be that there aren't any offers but i i I tend to think that there's probably interest but they're probably not meeting our valuation whatever that valuation is but i think selling the egg i'm convinced just let just let him go what if we get a reasonable offer in i can't he made the most mistakes in the championship this season to a goal goalkeeper his heart doesn't look in it to me. I could be wrong. I just my from my own opinion, and I just think that I, I don't think we, I think we could get a championship goalkeeper out there that can do just as good a job. Personally, I don't, anyone else? Anyone with me? I, I get, I get your point, and I guess 
if we hadn't seen Kieran Westwood and David Marshall come in. Although in games, obviously, Marshall did look good and then absolute clangor versus Blackburn. You're like, after that game last season, everyone was like, oh, if we had Dieng in, we wouldn't have lost that game. Obviously, that's when he was in great form. This season, very different. So He's lost my whole like, confidence. Any time yeah. but like a shot. I mean, he's great. Ball, like Even that sometimes is now a bit... Like just everything that was great about him for me has just kind of gone a little bit. I'm on tenterhooks every time now with him. It's not as bad as you know your Lee Camps and you know Tony Robbins Joe Lumley. Joe Lumley. He's not quite anywhere near that, but he's not. He was a million miles away from that. Now he's just, I just, I don't know. And and you know your point about Marshall. That that's not the type of keeper that you'd bring in though as your number one, would you? You know. Um, no, so. no, that's more of a yeah. Just as we had that comparison, I guess. I guess it's difficult. Again, the board will, yeah, you have to you have to generate funds, but ultimately you'd be selling Dieng at his lowest. Like yeah. is and I know we don't no one really sells players in January, but are you like, look, surely his value can only go up because we felt we could get, I don't know what, five mil for Dieng this time last year. I don't think that's ridiculous to say. We might have been a bit optimistic, but that was what it was. This year, if someone came in the summer for what one and a half, are we now saying right? Sweet, where well, I would take it. So that so, value drop is huge because obviously we haven't been very good as a team, and he's been poor. So do the board go? Yeah, but next summer we could be mid table, or let's say finish like fourteenth, fifteenth, and his value could rise because we'd be better. So. But he's out of as contract, everything is very much a balance yeah, he's out of contract the following season I, I can he? see him yeah. running it, running right, okay. it down like, yeah know. obviously that makes a big difference so um, yeah I mean based on this season's display I'd still be confident we could find somebody else but you'd probably need that person to be a free or someone running their contract down at a league one team that we're going actually they can come in here and do a job. Or what's has Joe Walsh been doing anything? Has he been on loan anywhere? I don't think he's got a real we mentioned it last week on the pod. Or did we or was it the week before? He's where's he gone? He, he went somewhere. Like it's not a real it was like a national league team, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is like which a, is really not where he should loan. be. Yeah. I think I just, like I think Field is someone that could get, you know, you could get a bit of money for. I think, you know. Yeah, the, you it's know, probably the one you wouldn't want to sell. No, of course not. But like you know, if your team gets relegated from the Premier League and they're looking for a, an instant return, someone like Sandfield might a good squad player or a starter. Absolutely. I think Dykes, you you might get something for some of Celtic or Rangers. Maybe you might look at him, or you know, again a, another Championship team. And I think Chair stats, although he has flattered, you know, he's been injured and stuff, and he's had his moments. He's still got a decent turn. He's got high chance creation number. He's got nine assists. He's got five goals. A lot of them outside the box. He's got a good highlights rule. And I think, yeah. you know, yeah. you could still get some money for chair. I think that's the one where you're going to get the highest fee potentially. But yeah, I agree with your point on Dieng. That keeper values are low anyway. And, you know, historically. So I can't see us getting loads for him. But I, you know, I still think there'll be a market for him if he was made available. What do we think of... Um... The room is floating around with Ainsworth and Willick and Johansson. I mean, Johansson is gone. I don't know. He's injured apparently, but him and and Laird, I mean, a 19-year-old playing ahead of him away at Burnley, top of the league, says he came on, looked fit enough to me. So that was a that was a decision he made. And he's Willick... 22, by the way. 22, is he? Yeah. Right, okay. 22, is he? Yeah. Even though he was that old. So these youngsters we're bringing through that aren't even, even that a youngster, young. is he? <laughs> I think he's older than Led, by the way. Is he? Yeah. Well, there you go, Jack. That's why you're on it for this sort of stuff. But um, my point being, something's gone on, hasn't it, behind the scenes? I think it's obvious. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what whether the rumours are over dramatised or whatever. But something's gone on. Is it? So my question, I guess, is. Is Gar- is he is he right, Ainsworth, to do this? I mean, Willock arguably is probably one, if not one, if not the best, one of our best players. So is it is it a stamp of authority, or is it a look? This this is what's going to happen to you if you don't come with me on this. You know, 
with what I want to do? Or is it, will it just, you know, play it up, want it out? Do we think? I mean, I think at any any level, you're not going to have, things aren't going to be rosy every, seven days a week, uh, 52 weeks of the year. And we have been beyond awful. Yeah. So it's loads of these players are going to be going in being like, oh, I don't really, not really up for this, like in a shit mood. And oh, he's trying this thing again. I can't, like, that doesn't suit me as an individual. So then you become individualistic rather than the team mentality. And that's why whenever teams are winning, everyone's like, oh, we've got a great team spirit and everything becomes about the team. When you're doing crap, everything becomes about the individual. So all these rumours, I mean, they don't shock me at all. It sort of felt a matter of time to, since something like this would come out. You're not, I'm not expecting sort of everybody to buy into what Ainsworth is doing because there are always people who will be like, that doesn't fit what, what I've done. If you highlight Willock and Laird as individuals, very much obviously academy players at Arsenal and Man United, I don't think Ainsworth sort of fits into that uh, model or what they've been used to. So, again, there's a difference in um, sort of understanding or technique from that point of view. Um, but it could have all gone wrong for him, though, couldn't it? Because it's okay now because we've won, right? But if I tell you, if we didn't beat Burnley and we're, and you know, results, even results haven't gone our way, there'd still be massive question marks for him why you're leaving our arguably one of our most creative players on the bench every week. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Wednesday night, we were all saying it. Everyone was like, yeah. how has Willock got no minutes in this game? Three days later, like with everything and all our moods, a win changes everything. Mm-hmm. And you forget pretty much about everything else that went on. But, yeah, it is, it's got to be telling. Um, I think he's got in there and gone, these people are big in the dressing room, Willocks, Johansson's, Lairs, they seem like big characters in that dressing room. And I'm not saying he's picked them, but they've obviously done something they didn't like. And he's, he's you know, I, mean, I wouldn't say making an example, but he certainly is sort of... But he probably is, if if this well, hasn't gone yeah. on. He, because... Uh, by your nature, almost with anything, um, any sort of other business, when someone else comes in as a leader, they generally get rid of at least one person mm. because that's the full guy um, or full person for for this is this is what I'm doing. You're on board or you're not. So there's always going to be one player that's sort of ostracised or yeah made an example of. Um, well, that's your club captain there as well, by the way. I don't know if that's damning or telling that even you know, even yeah. if it's remotely true that he's doing that, he should be the one that isn't doing that, right? 100%. You'd want him to be the example for the rest of the squad and the, the one who is sort of standing shoulder to shoulder with Ainsworth. This is what, this is what we're going to do. And that's probably an element to why Chris Martin starts a lot of games because he does... We, people can criticise his performance or how much he can run, but what he brings from a leadership point of view, I think is great. Like we've been crying out most of this season for leaders. He's come in. He's the only one like moaning at the ref, getting in the ref's face for any decision he can get time wasting lino decisions, other players being booked for stuff, the stuff that we know every championship team should be doing. And we've had a guy come in in early days of Feb and he's the first one to do it. Like Dunn does it a little bit. But it's something that's always kind of frustrated me and annoyed me. Not that I want sort of three of our players running around the ref like Bruno Fernandes style, like everything. But you need something like that. And that's what Chris Martin brings in. I think it's easy to see why Ainsworth likes him because he has those leadership qualities. Do you think Willick will be gone, Doug, in the summer? Uh, well, I was just going to say, I saw a, f- um, a few bits on social media about Willock and the fans cheering him in the like pre-match warm-up and chanting his name and stuff at Burnley. And apparently he blanked them. Like, you know, normally you get like, when you're warming up, like you cheer the like, you do, like a little chant player, kind of gives you like a little hand up in the air, just like acknowledgement. Apparently he didn't do anything, just put his head down. Like, I wonder whether that's him just... 
and it's that... difficult, isn't it? Is, is he sulking because he's not getting on the pitch? Like, or is there a lot more to it? I keep seeing rumours that he's like not playing because he's going in the summer. He doesn't want to like injure himself. Like, it's a hard one. He doesn't, obviously, there's something between him and Ainsworth. That's them. Ames just going to deal with it. He's the manager. So, actually, if you put don't, him on I the don't bench, see him coming, I don't see him being in next year at all. Actually, if you put him on the bench and not bring him on, it's just as bad as just not putting him in the squad, isn't it? As in relation to like your message to that player is, yeah. I've got you on the bench. I desperately need you to come on here, but I'm not going to bring you on. But like you again, I mean? like, like like you said, like it all goes back to if we'd lost and he still hadn't brought Willock on, the fans again would be going, "Hang on, what's going on?" Like. He's, we're losing our best creative player, not coming on. What's going on? Like you said, he got the results, so his decision was justified. That's the problem. Like, you just don't know who's causing the biggest like, issue there. Like, the rumour is they don't like how Ainsworth dresses and how he's coaching on the coaching on like training pitch and stuff. Like, surely they've had enough managers and enough coaches to know that every coach is different regardless of what they dress like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think this is, I think. It's a good point, and I think that what you've been saying about is it a power play or not? I mean, we won't, we'll never know. And Ainsworth don't doesn't reveal too much, but to say that no. Willock's not fit enough or needs to get fitter might be reading between the lines of saying he's not bought in to what I'm trying to do, and you know he's not getting in the team. And I think it's quite telling. And again, good observation. He's on the bench as an unused sub. Is is that a message in itself to Willock? You know, when he got a Doma, Richard, Low, Chair, Martin. Dykes all ahead of him in the attacking positions and now Armstrong seemingly. So I I don't, is it his contract technically runs out and we've got to do that automatic extension to then try and get some money for him? Is that the situation? I think, I think we'll do that, won't we? I mean, we'd be silly yeah. not to do that, but then I guess would we, if we don't get any offers for him, we'll love, you know, we're with him, but I, I'd imagine we would not let him just go on a free and yeah. get something for him. Yeah. Um, on Chris Martin, though, I mean, I said it at a time when we signed him. I like, I like him as a player, which is you know his unfashionable sort of target man that has a nasty streak and can bring a lot to us to a side. Yeah, physically he's not going to do the running, but you know he's contributed with four goals. You know, and some of them quite important. And you know what got us a point at West Brom and you know got us three points at Burnley. So he's from a short term signing. He's you know if one of the key players and keep hopefully keeping us up, but it would be typical QPR to give him a one-year deal and he just gets injured and doesn't play or, he, you know, he doesn't you know produce anything next season. But if you, you, can't, you can't have him and Dykes. I just find it, I don't know, I don't know, it's just me. Too I similar. find that it's like him that's bringing the best out of Dykes. Like when we got Austin, yeah. like when we got Austin in, like that experienced striker alongside Dykes. I feel like Dykes can't be the experienced striker alongside Armstrong. I feel like he still plays like he's naive. I feel like he needs that experienced head next to him that's still giving him the advice, which yeah, is annoying he, when Dykes is what twenty-eight. Exactly, you know, like he should be. Can't the go into a season now. needing getting the best out of your main striker, but you you need someone next to him. Like he should just, you know what I mean? That's what we're missing. I think. I look at other teams around the championship, and just think those, to, the, do we need to the get teams up there? Striker. What what we haven't got that the teams have got up there and. I just think they've all got a goal scorer, someone who can score the goals regularly off off the cuff, just a random quick goal, and it's just a bit frustrating, isn't it? Whoever's in charge of the you know recruitment in the summer, and we don't know if it's going to be the same setup as it is. You know, Ferdinand's still there, Andy Belks that we don't know do it at this point, but we need we've missed on strikers in terms of success rate from a recruitment point of view for years now. Absolutely. And you see teams like Coventry, Luton, picking up like Jokeres and Carl Morris for, you know, probably similar fees to what we pay for Bond and Dykes. That's that's the bit that's a killer for QPR. I think we've got to start hitting on these strikers. And, you know, it's going to be a really interesting summer, you know, coming up. And we But we've got to make sure that we get the striker situation sorted because if we go into it with Dykes and Martin, we're going to struggle for goals, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I thought Lowe's been quite decent the last few games. Not, not, you know, his quality on the ball is sometimes a bit questionable, but I, I can see some real effort in him. And he looks like he's put a bit of passion in. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if anyone else noticed it. He's just been a bit better the last few games. I don't know. Bit of an I mean, devil's advocate, you could take this as oh, it's a lone player. The last few games of the season is now trying. First few games yeah. tries loads. Middle period, nothing. End. 
like yeah. or I mean actually you saw his um and you can read a lot into celebrations everyone wants to win when they're playing but when we did saw that uh the winning goal no actually it was the field goal where he celebrated massively in front of the fans before like when field's running around and before he comes around I mean sometimes I think we as fans buy into that stuff a little bit too much and I'm going to do it right here but that is still good to see um yeah. but I mean in the Norwich game my mate was having an absolute mare with low like moaning about everything he did and really didn't wasn't you had a better second convinced. half you had a better second half like yeah you, like um but he's he's being picked in these games where we have to get something and the conversation we've just had about people buying into Ainsworth. If he buys in, great. And if he performs, that's that's what we need at the moment. So, um, yeah, we're probably not going to... I can't see him being here next year because we'd have to pay decent whack to Bournemouth. He'll have a few years left. Although, if they stay up, which they're looking in a better position than we thought they would be, maybe there's a chance to bring him back on loan. But is that are we then going around the same cycle that we always do with attacking players and strikers? Right, we're going to rely on you for a loan period. So it's low, it's Dykes and it's Martin with Armstrong could, coming through. Right. Could we afford low over a season? It's okay six months. I don't know over over. A yeah, season, it's a good question. It might be. Uh, um, relegation. Then I've still got it in the back of my head. I still looked at the possibilities that need to happen, and it's not a lot. Like I know, you know, it's still in our hands very much so, but you know, lose if we lose two, Reading pick up four points. How does feel they need to win one game? Rotherham and Cardiff play each other, they only need a point. Is anyone else worried worried or is every, is everyone it's fairly the most QPR thing okay? ever is gonna be beating Burnley at Burnley and then still getting relegated? That's the most QPR scenario to play out. Like, I have this terror that it's going to happen still. Like, I can just see Reddins winning both their games. Problem is, you don't want it going to the last day of the season. That's what you don't want, right? Because the pressure's hyped up and a couple of early goals. Oh. So if we can yeah, avoid that happening, we really need to be doing that. I think especially now in modern football, because, like, you get the scores through instantly, the crowd will know. If it's yeah. that last game of the season against Bristol City and we know Reddin are winning after five minutes, we're all going to be panicking in the ground. And the players will feel I, that tension. I think Huddersfield playing Reading last day of the season is massive for us. I think that may be more not do us a favour. Thing that, we, yeah, because because Huddersfield have got some tough games, haven't they? They've well, they've got a must win at Cardiff, then they've got Sheffield United. So as long as we can stay two points ahead of them two, we're gonna we're all right, aren't we? But um, yeah, it's, oh, it is. I know. It is still worrying. I don't think any QPR fan would be or should be sort of comfortably sitting in their seat being like, oh, well, we'll be fine. Like, we beat Burnley, so nothing else matters. I mean, spent so long staring at the table since that Burnley win to try and be like, okay, if this happens, if we we do this as ever, like, beat Stoke, it's all good. That's the number one thing the team needs to care about. I'm sure that's what Ainsworth's saying as well. But if we can pick up a positive result there, extend this, make it a three-game unbeaten run into a four-game unbeaten run, kind of happy days. And yeah, the point you made, Ben, if, if we can just be safe going into that last game, so there's an element to which we can sort of enjoy the last game of the season, um, that would be very pleasing. That would be good. All right, lads, we'll, we'll end it there. Just a quick one, player and player of the year, player of the season, I saw it came out today. The, the, the... The young, the young list looks pretty grim, but um, <laughs> anyone going anything other than Sam Field? That everyone's... Yeah, he's been my player of the season. Yeah, I mean, chair potentially is close, but I think it's a unanimous Sam Field, isn't it? Yeah, and young player? What are we thinking? Just because I won't vote for a lone player, so I wouldn't yeah. vote for Tim, I'll vote for Armstrong. I want him just to get a goal. I want him in Bristol City, I want him to score the winner. And literally, the, oh. the ground is absolutely going to go mental. Imagine yeah. the scenes when he gets that first goal. Yeah, I, I uh, 
funny enough, when we've been recording this pod, my dad's texted me and said, oh, I couldn't vote for Tim because he's a lone player as well. So obviously <laughs> this attitude is uh, permeating through. Um, I still think he would be my my young player of the season. I, I appreciate the loan point, sorry, the loan point that people would make. But I think it's more that the fact of what we talked about earlier, that he hasn't given in when load of people would have expected him to. That to me shows he has got a lot of character and um, yeah, he'd, he'd get my vote. And he came on the pod. He's a friend of the pod. He so. is. <laughs> he is. Okay. Yes. I, I, um, I think he's exciting. I wanted to get more opportunities, but generally when he's on the pitch, I think he cause you know makes a nuisance of himself and I think there's a lot of potential there so yeah I'd go Sinclair I mean if we're ruling out lone players but uh yeah I'd go Tim I'm gonna go Tim I think um anyone anyone going Saturday I'm up there Saturday Stoke nah doing Bristol City but not Stoke. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah Bristol uh, City same. not Stoke yeah oh, I've got the three what? hour drive up there so we sold um we've sold just over two thousand i think it's two thousand one hundred close to so i think there's two thousand six hundred allocation so i think we'll probably sell i'd imagine another hundred maybe there's no tickets on the day so it's gonna be a good crowd there um we don't normally do well in front of a big away crowd do we so i'm a bit tense about that but um, we we always do well when we've got four or five hundred fans there don't we have you ever noticed that way from home the real hardcore away fans yeah 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 We've yeah, nailed the key, the key to QPR winning. Sell fewer away tickets and don't let yeah. your centre midfielder pass the ball. That's it. <laughs> then we'll just win the league. Win the league. That's it. Vote a young player of the season but can't complete a pass in a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not having it done. Not having it. <laughs> yeah, we know Gareth listening, so uh, yeah, get yeah, write that down. Um, all right, that's cool. Well, um, we'll catch up next week. Hopefully safe and um, have a great rest of the week. Yours. Yours. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.